When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. How Games Can Change Behavior. Dan Gred. It doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar highly sophisticated game experience, that you can incorporate games into business settings in really small and subtle ways that aren't very expensive and that can generate extraordinary results. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix fix it? it? How do we fix it? So, Jim, let's play a game. I'm always up for a game, Richard. (laughs) Good. So we're going to start with a problem that's faced by a lot of countries, and it's that drivers go way too fast. So Sweden tried this really interesting experiment. Instead of just setting up speed cameras and ticketing drivers, they came up with a speed camera lottery, rewarding drivers for going at or below the speed limit. So a reward instead of a punishment. Exactly. Right. So they could enter this lottery, and there was a top prize of $3,000 that would go to someone who was in that group that was successfully going under the speed limit or at the speed limit, and the money came from the tickets that they levied on actual speeders. Right. So this is a lottery. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this question, which is what happened when Sweden introduced this, this camera lottery, okay? A, the accident rate went up as drivers slammed on their brakes and... Saw when they saw the camera, went, Oh my goodness, I gotta slow down. That's A. B is average speeds went down. C is the whole thing had absolutely no impact on driver behavior. And D is that the average speed went down and stayed lower after the whole lottery ended. So that's that's D. Okay, listeners, we're gonna give you a second to organize your thoughts, and the answer is B. <laughs> okay, that's our new bell. <laughs> so the average speed went down 8% while the lottery was on and traffic deaths fell, but the improvement vanished when the game ended. Yeah, that's that's the bad thing. I mean, that that uh, they had to have that lottery going on in order to affect the way drivers drove. But it's a really interesting experiment in this new frontier that's called gamification. So this is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're going to talk about gamification and give you some examples of how this stuff works, how to use games to change human behavior. 
So our guest is Dan Gretsch of Offercraft, a company that designs games for companies and nonprofits, and a real leader and expert in this whole field of how to use game techniques to affect human behavior. Yeah, Dan joins us via Skype from Miami. And we're, we're coming to you from the Davies Podcasting Studio up in the <laughs> beautiful Upper West Side of Manhattan. And you may occasionally hear our dog. <laughs> So, so, Dan, let's talk about the Pikachu in the room, uh, Pokemon Go, <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and the massive success of this augmented reality game. Uh, what have we learned from it? Well, I think the first and most important thing that Pokemon Go did is it brought gamification and specifically augmented reality into the mainstream um, and used it for business. So, so as you probably know, Pokemon Go was used by a lot of small businesses to generate foot traffic. For people who didn't grow up with Pokemon or who aren't really familiar with augmented reality, can you give us a 20-second primer on the concept? Yeah, absolutely. So Pokemon is kind of a throwback. It was like a cartoon and, and a franchise, you know, when I was a kid in the, in the 80s. Um, and actually a Google spinoff company created Pokemon Go which was a mobile version of the game, Pokemon, which are pocket monsters that are living in our universe, but you only can see them if you look at them through the interface of your phone. So you would hold up your phone and the camera would show the image of whatever you're seeing, but plus all these little creatures that you could capture. And you would collect them and you would raise them and you would even go to spots to have them fight against other teams. There were three different teams that you could be on and it ended up being a huge success in terms of a game, but it also drove a ton of foot traffic to businesses and got people out and outside. Uh, and it really kind of woke the business community up to the possibility of using games and using what's called augmented reality, which is where you take, you know, the like the the, the scene in front of you and add things to it digitally um, to the mainstream. So what are people going to do with that knowledge? I mean, what are we going to see going forward? Well, what we're advocating is that it doesn't have to be uh, a multi-million dollar, um, highly sophisticated game experience. It doesn't have to be a video game. That you can incorporate games into business settings in really small and subtle ways that aren't necessarily very expensive. Uh, and that can generate extraordinary results. Well, give, um, give us an so example. Like one, yeah, like one really uh, specific example uh, was one of our clients is actually a hotel and concert venue. And they had a concert coming up by comedian Tracy Morgan. And they were trying to sell a package of one-night hotel stay with two tickets and say the night at the hotel. And ticket sales were kind of slow. So we developed a pick-a-Tracy game for them. Uh, where you were presented four Tracy Morgan faces and they were kind of wiggling and laughing and you picked one and it uncovered the exact same offer that they had been having trouble getting people to buy into and they saw a quadrupling in the rate of ticket sales. Just because um, it was and the fun. Insight, just because it was fun. The insight here is if you give someone away something for free, they tend to not value it. If you offer to them in the form of a game, and it's a prize or reward one for a job well done, uh, they're much more likely to remember it and to value it and ultimately to redeem it. 
Now, that's, that's a great example of how a company can use a game to boost sales and maybe even change its image in the marketplace. But give us an example of how a government or a nonprofit might use it to, say, improve human behavior for, for perhaps virtuous reasons. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about games so far, and there's a, kind of another aspect to this, um, which is called behavioral economics. And behavioral economics is the study... Uh, of human motivation and how to uh, how people actually act in real life uh, rather than how they would act in theory. And a lot of the uh, policies that the Obama administration and other uh, governments have implemented in recent years use behavioral economic insights to try to get folks to do what they want. Um, one of the examples of that, one of my favorite examples of that actually happened in Los Angeles. There was a uh, school board election and um, nobody uh, (laughs) will go uh, on their own and and vote for a school board election. They were having terrible problems with voter turnouts, particularly among Latinos. So the Southwest Voter Registration Education Project decided to launch a lottery. They would give um, $25,000 to one lucky voter who uh, was in one district of this school board election. This was a largely Latino district. Um, And uh, in the end, uh, a a security guard named Ivan Rojas, who hadn't even heard of this lottery scheme, ended up winning $25,000. And among those who heard about this lottery, they called it Voteria, um, they ended up having a massive increase in turnout uh, of 46%. So instead of scratch and so, win, it was vote and win. It was vote and win. And uh, as you can kind of imagine, it caused a ton of outrage. Uh, the Los Angeles Times called it a gimmick that perverts the motivation to vote. And it really um, exposed the lengths to which some government agencies were willing to go to get people to the polls But when they tried the same idea in Philadelphia, um, they had a $10,000 prize, and they found a a more modest 5% increase in turnout uh, among those folks who were aware of the prize available. We think of the gamification as a relatively new thing. The word is relatively new. But in fact, governments have been encouraging game behavior on the part of citizens for decades through various lotto programs. But the behavior they're encouraging, you, you could argue, is highly counterproductive to good outcomes in life. There was actually even a joke about it the other day on Saturday Night Live that some people would rather put money in a scratch-off ticket than in their 401k. <laughs> I remember that. Um, you know, So one of the problems with Voteria, uh, one of the criticisms, I should say, of Voteria is that they said you know, people who were motivated to kind of enter the lottery might vote for some random candidate rather than being an informed voter, which is the ideal. But let, let's just extend this notion of gamification and do it in a slightly different arena within the voting space. So one of the ideas out there, you, you've probably heard of publicly financed campaigns where, you know, a candidate that agrees to certain restrictions on the kinds of money or the amount of money they, they take will then get public financing. And that can, you know, amount to hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars. So there is actually a campaign out there to turn public financing from money that's just given to a candidate, but rather have every voter have, let's say, five or ten dollars in play money and monopoly money that they can then donate to their candidate of choice. What this would do is it would force candidates 
uh, or encourage candidates to start engaging the larger populace because there's this huge untapped amount of money uh, that is actually really uh, matching dollars from the government. So it's it's sort of the, the idea here, and, th- and this is something that applies to business too, is if you take a pot of money and you give it out uh, just in, in one big gift to a candidate versus parcel it out in lots of small little gifts that are given by individual voters, you will generate behaviors you want without it actually. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Actually costing you more. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Richard Davies. And we're talking with Dan Gretsch of Offercraft. Dan, there's a pretty interesting example of an outpatient clinic. So this clinic, which we worked with at Offercraft, was having a big problem. They were having a 50% no-show rate, and they're a pain clinic. So the folks who, who are, are supposed to be going to these appointments are living often with chronic and debilitating pain. So they often had really good reasons for not showing up. But when you have a 50% no-show rate, and you never know which 50% are going to show up, it became an absolute nightmare. And the, the clinic was actually really on the verge of, of, of going under. They just couldn't sustain this kind of absenteeism. So what they had been doing, and, and uh, you can imagine how well this worked, is they had been actually fining people who didn't show up, which not only were they rarely able to collect those fines, uh, but it really upset their patients who often had very legitimate reasons for not being able to make it. So what we said to them is, how can we go from using a stick to a carrot? So what we did is something really simple. At the end of a person's appointment, when they were booking their next appointment, they got a chance to play a wheel spin game. And we told them that they were going to win a prize. And the prize was a gift card, and it was either $10, $50, or $150. And here's the rub. They wouldn't find out which prize they won until they showed up for their next appointment. Ah. So, and, and what were the results? Overnight, the no-show rate dipped below 30% and tens of thousands of dollars in revenue was saved. We have saw something kind of similar on experiment in China where because so much of the economy is cash, there's huge amounts of tax evasion. And a lot of people, when they do transactions, they don't want receipts. They don't want any record of whatever business transaction they just did. And they came up with a kind of a clever way to encourage more use of receipts, didn't they? Yeah, being China, you'd think yeah. it was just throwing everybody in jail. Well, they but do that but... too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, China is the master of the stick. But here's an example of them using a very sophisticated carrot. 
Um, so what China did is they turned every receipt into a lottery ticket. But rather than having to actually wait to see if you won the lottery, these were scratch-off lottery tickets. So you would pay, you would get an official receipt, and on the back of that receipt would be a, a scratch-off ticket, and you would immediately find out um, whether or not you won. Overall, this had extraordinary impact in China. They ended up getting in additional tax revenue, 30 times the amount that they gave away in lottery prizes. So it was an extraordinary uh, revenue generator for the government. And frankly, people loved it. Dan, so far, we've been talking about changing human behavior with, with, with gamification. By the way, whenever I type in gamification in my Mac, it comes up as gasification. Maybe a problem you want to, you want to, you want to address in, your, in the word processing program. Anyway, I, I digress. Uh, the Washington Post is using gamification in a kind of interesting way uh, to get people to read more stories. Yeah. Well, you know, I I have a, a background in the in the news industry, um, and uh, that, in that's, fact, that's why um, we love you. Yes, exactly. And um, and one of the one of the problems that we've always had in the news industry is that too much of what we do is eat your broccoli. News that is, um, you know, will make you an informed citizen and help you fall asleep. And it was actually BuzzFeed in 2013. BuzzFeed began to add. Uh, to their regular offerings, quizzes. And, you know, these quizzes were not necessarily news quizzes. They were quizzes like about, you know, which Disney princess are you? Um, But they worked incredibly well. And the Washington Post saw this, and they actually incorporated quizzes, polls, brackets, and other kinds of games into their regular offerings. They even hired an entire team of developers that they initially called their games team to develop these templates that anybody on their staff could use uh, to accompany or uh, support um, their articles. And so it's become really a regular practice. And now Al Jazeera, uh, Fusion, uh, The New York Times, uh, of course, you know, NPR with its, with its quiz shows, uh, all of them have begun to regularly incorporate games in their digital journalism. So Dan, you're obviously involved in consulting with businesses and larger organizations, but are there ways that people can use the principles of gamification in their own lives or their own families? Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite examples of this was a game called Chore Wars, basically a competition around who was going to do which chores around the house, and everybody would get points for doing certain tasks. Of course, the highest points would go to the people who took out the trash and did the stinkiest and messiest uh, of activities. And tens of thousands of chores were logged and completed. Um, and, you know, this was a, 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 a kind of a side project uh, for, a, a, for a video game developer. But frankly, you can create um, a chore wars in your own home by putting up a, a, a piece of paper and, and, and having a leaderboard among who uh, of your children is actually washing the dishes and taking out the trash and, and have prizes associated with that uh, based on, on their performance. Just this week, the Wall Street Journal uh, had a piece about how it's actually okay to bribe your children to eat vegetables. Um, <laughs> because, <laughs> because if you pay them to eat vegetables over the course of three weeks, they'll develop a taste for it. They'll realize it's, you know broccoli isn't so bad, uh, and they'll start eating it on their own. Uh, and that there is no long-term bad effects from starting out with a little bit of a bribe. So how to win friends and modify behavior. 
<laughs> thank thank you so good. much, Dan Gretsch. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed it. Wave at me if I'm off mic. Okay, Just I mean, smack you. Or smack me. An incentive yeah, or a punishment? What do you think is better? <laughs> <laughs> You're really going to have to take that thing away from you. <laughs> I'm going to put it between us next time. Okay. Underlying a lot of what Dan Gretsch was talking about was incentives versus punishment. That sometimes punishment doesn't work. That incentives are a better way to get people to do what you want them to do yeah and it's i mean in a way it's an obvious point but what's so interesting about this new wave of gamification is all the new ways people are finding to do it and digital technology giving us so many tools to do it on a mass level so okay let's go through some different areas where gamification can help yeah that's i mean that's really his business is advising businesses and using these techniques and um, so some of the examples may not seem world-changing, but they're important to the businesses that are involved. And there may be also more fun for the customers who are engaged with those businesses. What could be world-changing, though, is increasing involvement in positive civic behavior. Yeah, so that's number two. Um, so those are things like the program to encourage voting registration. or And I would also put under that category his example of improving attendance at a hospital clinics. Because without that, the clinic could barely function. So we can use it to help encourage the kind of behavior that we want to support in a, in a much more light-handed way than just punishing people or fining them for not showing up for their appointment. And Dan also mentioned the nudge principle that, that the Obama administration, I think Britain's last government was also using, which is trying to nudge public behavior in, in a more positive way. One example might be encouraging people to save more money for retirement. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways that instead of mandating or regulating it, you can, you can encourage it. Now, the next category was the one that kind of surprised me the most, using gamification to reduce misbehavior. I thought the example of Sweden using speed cameras to give people an opportunity to win something instead of just bringing down the heavy hand of the law And that's was so great, great because, because speed cameras in many cities have been incredibly unpopular. So if you reason. turn it from Yeah, so if you turn it from a negative to perhaps having a positive element, it might change people's view of that. I mean, there's, there's good civil liberties arguments arguments against speed cameras. Obviously, there's good safety arguments for them. It didn't come up in the podcast, but this Sweden experiment has not been repeated a lot of other places because speed cameras are money-making operations for a lot of cities. It's really less about safety than it is about, about, <laughs> about expensive raising, About raising funds, yeah. And then the final point is our personal lives, how we can apply it. And certainly, you know, a light bulb went off with me when it comes to being a parent and perhaps encouraging... <laughs> encouraging cooperative behavior by your children. Oh, yeah. I mean, my mother was a master of gamification long before the, <laughs> there was a name for it. You yeah. know, getting the kids to cooperate with chores and making games out of all kinds of things. And kids do this naturally. You put a group of kids... Um, you know, out in a yard, and in five minutes, they will have figured out how to use acorns and sticks 
to create some kind of a game. It's a natural human instinct. I mean, if you want your kids to play outside more. No, I'm not saying you, you need to do this. I'm saying people naturally do it. Okay. Kids naturally turn random activities into games. So we're harnessing a very natural and deep human impulse when we talk about gamification. So when we talk about kids, this is a very natural thing, but also it comes up in things like fitness trackers and, and different ways to incentivize yourself. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm a big bike rider and my wife and I have a little quick morning ride that we do and it's on a rail trail it's the same distance. We ride the exact same distance every day. So we time ourselves and we try to see if we can beat yesterday's time. And it's simple. And But mo- many, many people are involved in some sort of athletics do that. They turn what could be just a boring exercise routine into a bit of a game. And that makes it fun and exciting. Yeah. And I live in the city and I try and walk four miles every day. And so I use my fitness tracker for that. So that's a form of gamification. But we also have to recognize some of the limits of gamification. Sure. There was a study just recently in the uh, Journal Journal of the American Medical Association on fitness trackers and how effectively they help people lose weight. And in, there, in that study, the people who weren't using fitness trackers actually uh, – lost about twice as much weight, not quite, but close to twice as much weight as the people using fitness trackers. Wow. Very small preliminary study. Probably shouldn't, as always in these things, don't want to read too much into it, but it's not a panacea. Um, so, you know, and human behavior is rich and complex. We don't always want to assume that our first idea of how to affect behavior is always going to work. Okay. With that, so as no, the, with as the, that, as the yeah, house the curmudgeon, curmudgeon I always find that, that the dark yeah. cloud Thanks and the silver lot. lining. <laughs> <laughs> this is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our producer is Miranda Schaefer. The music is by Lou Stravinsky. And we are produced by Davies Content. We make digital content for companies and nonprofits at daviescontent.com and our web address for this show is howdowefixit.me we're coming to you from the beautiful Davies Studios in uptown Manhattan <laughs> where we recorded this podcast under the watchful eye of our studio watchdog Churchill Winston oh sorry that's okay <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.